welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This Sunday, which will be the 10th of Av actually, is the day in which we will be fasting. It's the saddest day in Jewish history. It's the day in which the spies came with a bad report to Moshe Rabbeinu and the Jewish people. And because of that, we were not allowed to go into the land of Israel. The Jewish people had to wander for 40 more years and die in the desert and only their children were able to come into the land of Israel. And that day became a very sad day for the Jewish people. It's actually the 9th of Av, but the 9th of Av this, this year falls on Shabbat. It's a Saturday. And because it, it falls on Shabbat, the fast day is moved to Sunday. So, but nevertheless, it's a, it's a day in which we have the opportunity to correct what we did. Um, the sages teach that the second temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred, and baseless love is what's gonna rebuild it. So I found a beautiful study which is written or adapted by Rabbi Sholom Sirkin. I found it in the Hayenu, which I really recommend people to have. And it says to laugh or to cry. And so there's a story in the Talmud that says that Rabbi Gamiel, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Yehoshua and Rabbi Akiva were once ascending to Jerusalem when they reached Mount Sophim, which is a mountain from where they could see the site of the destruction of the Holy Temple, the second temple that was destroyed by the Romans. And when they saw the destruction of the temple, they, they tore their clothing, their garments, like if they were sitting Shiva, they were, it was a sign of mourning. And when they arrived at the, at the Temple Mount, at, um, they saw a fox coming out of the area of where the Kodesh HaKodashim was, the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a place where only the Kohen Gadol could come in once a year on Yom Kippur. And if anybody else would go in, even the Kohen Gadol would go in any other time, he would die. So the sages began to cry. They all started crying. And then they, Rabbi Akiva began to laugh. They were all crying and Rabbi Akiva was laughing. And so they asked him, why are you laughing? To which he responded, why are you crying? And so they said to him, the place of the Holy of Holies regarding which it says, and a foreigner which comes close will die, this is in Badmitbar, is now a place where foxes walk, they go in and out and they don't die, nothing happens to them. Uh, shall we not weep like the Shekhinah, the, the godly presence has left us? And he replied to them, it is for this reason that I'm laughing for the verses. I will call to testify for me to, re to reliable witness, Uriah the Cohen and Zechariah the son of of Yeshayahu. Now, what is the connection between Uriah and Zechariah? Uriah, Uriah was in the first temple era, while Zechariah was in the second temple area, era. Rather, the verse is teaching that the prophecy of Zechariah is dependent on the prophecy of Uriah. So, in the prophecy of Uriah, it is written, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem will be heaped and rubble, and the Temple Mount like the high places of a forest. This is in Micah. 
and in the prophecy of Saharia, it is written, old men and women will yet sit in the streets of Jerusalem. So what Rabbi Akiva was saying is, yes, the prophecy says that it's going to be destroyed, but at the same time, it says that in the future, it's going to be rebuilt. So he was laughing because the first prophecy came true, the, the, the prophecy of, 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 of uh, Uriah, but also the prophecy of Zechariah will become true. Because if the first one became true, then he was sure that the, the other prophecy would become true. And as long as the prophecy of Uriah was not fulfilled, I was afraid that perhaps the prophecy of Zechariah will not be fulfilled. And now that I see that the prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled, I am certain that the prophecy of Zechariah will be fulfilled. So the sages said to him in, in these words, Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva, you have comforted us. And seemingly Rabbi Akiva response needs further clarification. We have to understand uh, what was going on. So even if a positive lesson or comfort can be derived from the destruction, how is it possible to actually rejoice upon seeing the destruction? And you know, in our lifetime, we see destruction. We've seen a lot of destruction. Uh, I'm not going to name it because I, it's too long to name, but all of you know of destruction. We all gone through it. We've seen it in the news. We see it uh, from our grandparents, uh, communities, complete communities that were annihilated. We, there, this is a world where we've seen a lot of destruction. And so how can we be comforted with the destruction? So the explanation is that Rabbi Akiva saw exile. He didn't see exile as a negative state which will eventually lead to the redemption. He didn't see it like, okay, we live in a black world, in a sad world, in a world where there's horrors and horrors. Rather, he saw that the exile was part of the redemption itself. When he saw exile, he only saw its, its true purpose the redemption. This is how Rabbi Akiva was able to see it and, um, and to explain it with an analogy. If you, we see that the prophecy of Uriah, he said because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. And, and, and it says, Zion will be plowed like a field. It may seem to him as a destructive act. Like when you see plowing, you, what do you see? You see they're moving the, 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 the earth, they're taking out the earth, they're plowing, everything looks like destruction. But to someone who understands what is going on, a person, a, a farmer that plants uh, vegetables, he knows that he's not causing a destruction. He knows this is not destruction. For a person that doesn't know, he would think, oh, oh no, they're destroying the earth. But for a person that knows, he realizes that the plowing is really part of the process of growing the crops. And uh, there's an alaha that says that uh, we cannot destroy a synagogue. We cannot uh, demolish a synagogue unless that we're going to build a bigger synagogue in that place. So Hashem also keeps the alaha. He also keeps the law. He cannot give us the law and not fulfill it. He, whatever he tells us to do, he has to do himself. So if he destroyed the temple, in reality, he didn't destroy it to leave it destroyed. The reason that he destroyed the temple is to bring a bigger and better temple. 
And so uh, exile is the, is the construction moment. This is the moment in which we're unearthing, we're taking out the dirt from the, from the, we're demolishing, we're taking off the earth so we can put the foundation and start building. That's the whole purpose of exile. And so when someone sees a house being demolished and knows that this is for the purpose of building a bigger and much beautiful house, he views it as part of the construction. Similarly, Rabbi Akiva saw that the most negative manifestations of exile as an actual part of the process of the future redemption. And so, and so viewing exile as a preparation we cannot see the suffering of this world like it's fruitless. It has no meaning and no purpose. We have to see it not only that it has purpose, but we have to see it as a part of the building of what's going to come. Everything we do in this world is it's a little brick that we're putting on that edifice that is called the Beit HaMikdash. And a, and, a, and a glorious time that is going to come for us. So part of the process of redemption gives a person the ability to be happy and enthusiastic about fulfilling his divine calling despite the severity and length of exile. Uh, I was li listening to a podcast this week. It's called Hidden Brain. It's amazing. It's incredible. And this uh, Stanford the psychologist who is talking about mindsets and the importance of how we view things and the perceptions that we have. She was saying in this podcast that they did, um, they did a, uh, like an experiment with 27 housekeepers of a hotel in Boston. So they brought these 27 housekeepers that came to clean the rooms in the hotel and they asked them how they viewed their job. And they said, well, it's a very hard job. It's a very hard job. We have to it's 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 demanding and it's uh, it's hard it's hard for the body it's like a hard job so later they brought these doctors and they did blood tests on them they checked their cholesterols they weighed them everything and um, and the doctor came and they said okay what would you say if I told you that when you uh, work in this hotel as a housekeeper for six hours or eight hours is your job, is actually like your eight hours in the gym exercising. It's considered the same thing. It's like you're doing the Zumba class for eight hours. And I would tell you that you're burning so many calories and, um, and that you're getting fit and you're getting healthy. And uh, when the blood test came, some had cholesterol levels high, another one was uh, overweight, and they had blood sugar, all these issues. When the doctor told them that for them, their work was actually like if they were in the gym for eight hours exercising, a month later, he tested them all again, and the one that had cholesterol, it came down, the one that had the blood sugar came down, the one that was fat became skinny. Why? Because the mindset. Instead of going to clean rooms, in their mind, they were going to, to exercise. So the same way with the, with, the, with the exile is a mindset. You can perceive life like a horror, horrific, so many people suffering, so much suffering, the world is crazy, it's really upside down. Or 
you can see it like really Hashem is exercising us like he's really building up the muscles he's building our emuna he's building our bitachon he's building our faith our our trust in Hashem he's giving us the opportunity to be part of building this incredible edifice and when we see things in that perception then yes maybe it can be painful yes these ladies go and work eight hours a day and when they come home they're done you know everything hurts they're very tired but they're happy and they're happy because they feel they have achieved and that's the the the, the point here that when we go through life and we feel that we're achieving we're gonna be happy no matter what's going on, you're going to be happy. So furthermore, through desiring and thinking about Mashiach, one can experience a taste of redemption. And the Talmud expounds on the verse concerning Sion. It will be said this person and that person was born there. Rabbi Meyasha, grandson of Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, this alludes to both a man who was actually born in Sion and the one who looks forward to seeing it. They are both equally considered sons of Sion. So a person that lives in Israel today and a Jew that lives in the diaspora, but he's yearning, yearning for Mashiach, he's yearning for his house in, in the Holy Land, is considered as if he is from there. So this can be explained based on the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, that we are, uh, that we're where a person's thoughts are, that is where he is present. You are where your head is. You want to know where you are? Look where your thoughts take you. And thus, if a person looks forward to Sion, it is as if he is a son of Sion. Similarly, if a person anticipates and desires a redemption, then he already finds himself in a state of redemption. So the mindfulness itself, in turn, gives a person the ability to rise above the hardships of exile and encourages him to whatever he can do to make redemption reality. So yes, maybe life is not easy. It's not gonna make it easier, you know? But it's a training. It's like you're in the gym. It's making you strong. It makes, it's making you ready. It's preparing you for what you're gonna get. And so another point, when a Jew meditates about the fact that exile is only temporary, and this is so important, I always tell mothers, when I see them tired, tired with the babies, I say, they're gonna grow up. It's gonna come a day, you're not gonna have that baby anymore. Time goes, it goes, my kids are gone, they're married, they have their own children, I'm alone with my husband. It, it, that time of your life is not forever. So when you live the moment and you concentrate on the moment, as hard as it can be, but you take the moment and you say, okay, this is a moment in my lifetime. It's a moment. Just as it came, it's gonna go away. It's not gonna be here forever. And you take the goodness out of the moment, then you have the ability to be happy. And this gives a person the ability to serve God with joy and place himself in a state of redemption, where the concealment of exile do not disturb him. And to illustrate this concept with a story, the Sanz Klausenberger Rebbe, Rabbi Yehusiel, Yehuda Halberstam, he suffered from many, many ailments. He was a very sick man. He, he suffered from a lot of pain. And he once said that what gave him strength to endure his pain was his belief that his suffering won't last much longer. That this is suffering is a preparation for Mashiach. And it's not here forever. 
And God willing, we'll have Mashiach very soon. We have to yearn. We really have to want him. And in that way, he'll be here. So I leave you here. I wish you a, a blessed week. And may we don't have to fast on Sunday and that Mashiach should be here already. So thank you and live a little higher. Thank you. Thank you.